Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. Shout it again. Come on, hallelujah. Oh, give my favorite one. Come on. Woo! <laughs> Amen. Amen. I hope you are enjoying your life. If you're not and you're looking at this, you say, these guys are nuts. Thank you for the compliment. But anyway, all right. Look with me real quickly to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. And I'm going to just talk just for a couple of minutes on what I've been sharing for the last two weeks. And then we're going to break some brand new ground today and some brand new um, property in the Bible. And so let me get there to where I'm supposed to be right here. I believe it is. There I am. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. Okay, we're going to be turning some corners today, and so, but let me take you at the basics of what we've been talking about. I've been talking about God's plan of salvation in a very small nutshell. It is in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. It is God's will that every one of us in this building today, and really all of the world, come to the knowledge of salvation, come to the knowledge of a Savior in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he himself has paid the price so that you and I can walk in righteousness before God. And we don't have to be afraid of God or fearful of God. We don't have to be in a place where we don't know God or not part of God's family. And so God's made the way. That is the plan of salvation. Now, let me give you the cold hard facts. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. To everything there is a season. And every time, every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. How many have been born? Say, I have. Amen. We have, every one of us. None of us in this building have died. All of us have been born. So somewhere between my life I'm living now, between birth and death, I am now, but I'm headed toward that time and I will die. I don't think it's going to be today, this year, next month, in the next decade, in the next 400 years. I, don't, I just don't have it in my consciousness. But I know one day I'll go the way of all flesh. And you will too. All of, all of us will, unless you're named Enoch or Elijah from Scripture. But other than those two, everybody that has lived on planet Earth has died. And you're not going to escape that unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and raptures his church and takes it to heaven. Then he'll change us and you won't have to die. But if his coming is delayed... If it's delayed, if it's not this week, this month, this year, some of us will go by the way of death. The Bible tells us. So then, just like we planned to get here today, I love the rain. I like rain. But going out, we made a, little, a few different you know, plans. We came out with an umbrella and uh, some kind of coats and that kind of thing to keep the rain off of us and pull the car up so Sheila wouldn't get you know, wet and melt because sugar melts and all that kind of stuff. And so we did everything we needed to do to get us in the house of God and that kind of thing. And we made preparation for it. But, but now, wouldn't it be really foolish that, that I'd get a, you know, a, an umbrella and a, and a raincoat? Wouldn't it be foolish that I'd do that, but then i make no plans for when I leave this world and face God? My, my, what a foolish person I'd be. And so, Ecclesiastes, the writer, the smartest man in all the world, Solomon tells us there's a time for each of those things. We need to recognize it, understand it, know that it's going to happen, and then make our plans accordingly. We saw that. We saw in Hebrews 9, 27, that after this death takes place, the Bible says that it is appointed in a man once to die. One time. Everybody say, one time. And after this, it says, the judgment. 
And so I'm going to stand before God for myself. You'll stand for yourself. I won't stand for my family, although I, you know, encourage them to do, the, you know, the right things before God. It's still their responsibility. I'll stand for myself. They'll stand for themselves. You'll stand for yourself before God in judgment. Every one of us will give account of himself. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse 17, all of us will give an account of ourselves before God. And so I, now I know a couple of things. I know I've been born. That's already been proven. I know I'm going to die. I have a lot of people around me that I know that have, have died. And I've seen that worked out. I can understand I'm headed in that direction. And now I know from God's word that after that death, I get judged. Now, based on my judgment, we looked and we saw in the book of Revelation. Here it is. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burns in fire and brimstone. This is the second death. Everyone whose name is not written in the book of life, Revelation 2015, are cast into the lake of fire. Now I've just told you the bad news. If you don't know Jesus, if I don't know Jesus, if Jesus is not my Lord and Savior, if he is not your Lord and Savior, when I die and I face that judgment and I am found guilty before God without the blood of Jesus, applied to my life to cover and to wash away all of my sins, if I stand before God in that condition, hell will be my home. Yours too. Anybody else that doesn't know Jesus. That's the cold, hard reality of what life is about. But that's only one side of the story. Because the Bible tells us, Paul said this, he said, for children of God, for Christians, when you die, you're not headed there, but you're... Present with the Lord. We're present with the Lord. So now I've got these two choices that, that when I die and when I leave this place, I'm either going to be, you know, consigned to hell for all eternity or, or I'm going to be present with the Lord. Jesus made it very clear when he said in John 3 verse 36, He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. But he that believes not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God will abide on him. There's my choice. I can have life or wrath. Either one. From the words of Jesus, not me. This little preacher here, not just me. From the words of Jesus. Jesus said it again in John 5, 29. It shall come forth that they have done good unto the resurrection of life. They that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And so if my life is characterized by sin and ungodliness and wicked works... My resurrection will be that of damnation. If my life is characterized by righteousness and holiness, living for the Lord, my life will come forth as a resurrection of life before God. There's my choices. Jesus has made it very, very clear and has given us definite decisions that we are to make in our life. We looked at that. We saw that. We saw in Titus chapter 2. That the grace of God has now appeared that will bring salvation to all men. God has made a plan of salvation. God has created a way for every one of us. We don't have to go to hell. We may go to heaven when we leave this life if we follow God's plan. Now if we don't, we're still going after the one that we're following. And for following wickedness and ungodliness and evil and the works of the flesh and the power of the devil, if that's who we're following, we're going where he's going. And the Bible tells us clearly that he will be cast into the lake of fire. And so if you don't want to go there, don't follow him. Follow Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. And that's what we're about learning about how to follow Jesus. We saw Jesus thought it so important. That when he started his ministry, he called disciples. And what he told them was, what I want you to do is that once you follow me, and like you're fishing fish now, I'll make you fishers of men. Go after men and women. That is what you are fishing for. There's a lot of great things about the kingdom of God. I just love it. I love my health and my strength and healing, divine healing that God gave me. I, I love that. I love my blessings and prosperity and my needs are supplied. That's wonderful. I love relationships that I have. But the greatest thing that I have is this, is the Lord God Almighty fished for me, and he caught me, and now I'm on my way to heaven. Glory to God. Hallelujah. How many can say hallelujah for that fact? That's the greatest thing. The absolute greatest thing. Jesus started his ministry, said we're going to fish for men. 
when he ended his ministry in Matthew 28 and also Mark chapter 16, he told his disciples, go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go tell everybody this gospel. Lay it out plain, simple, so anybody can understand it, and tell them all. And then he said this, he that believes and baptized be saved, and he believes not shall be damned. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. God has made the plan. And his desire, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. 1 Timothy 2, 4, God is a God who will have all to be saved. So it is God's will that you be saved. But you can go against God's will if you want to. He gave you the power of free choice. He gave you the power to choose. It's yours. He will never, ever take that away from you. You have the choice factor that you and I can make. Jesus made it very clear. He even said to his disciples this. He said that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be a witness. The Holy Ghost is a wonderful friend. I love the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit, mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. I love the gifts of the Spirit, mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. All nine of them. Thank God for all of them. They are needful. We, we need them all in our lives. But the greatest thing the Holy Ghost comes into our lives to do is to make us a witness. He empowers us to say to others, come receive the Lord Jesus Christ. I implore you. I compel you. If it's necessary, I beg you, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because if you don't, if you don't, your reality is not going to be heaven when you leave this life. Your reality is going to be quite different as I've already spoken to And so we are witnesses. We are rescuing the perishing. Rescuing those that are following a world and just being led by the world into a devil's hell. We are witnesses before Christ. We we talked about that. We looked a little bit in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we learned that we are ministers of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for God. In other words, when we speak and we talk, not just me, but you, us, anybody, friends, relatives, those we live with, those we work with, those around us where we do our shopping and different things we do in this life. At that point, you are an ambassador for God. You represent yourself. You represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have been given, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, a ministry to reconcile people and bring people to God. And tell people your story. Tell people what good things God has done for you. For the Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads men unto repentance. One of the worst things that I've always thought about my salvation experience was when I was saved when I was 20 years of age in the month of October in 1975. And the only greater I have about it is why didn't I do it sooner? Why in the world did I listen to the devil for 20 years of my life? Why did I let him plan my life for 20 years? Why did I live, and at that time, what I thought was the fun and the you know, pleasures of this world, not knowing, not knowing what salvation would bring to me, why did I do that for 20 years of my life? Why didn't I come to Christ sooner in my life? Because the experience that I have is that God is a good God. He is a wonderful Lord. He is the very best friend I've got. I don't have another. He is the greatest friend that I have in all of this world. I can talk to him at any time. I can tell him my needs. If I have to, maybe I can even cry on his shoulder a time or two. And other than that, I can laugh with him. We can run. We can play together. We can enjoy life. All good things, the Bible tells us, come down from the Father above in James chapter 1. And so what a wonderful life it is. It's the goodness of God that leads men unto repentance. And God brought salvation into my life. Now, let, let, me, let me give you this. Many of you, how many, how many saved? Say amen if you say. How many say? Okay, here, here's what's, what's happened. Let me give it to you straight. Look with me in the book of Romans. Turn there. Romans chapter 3. I want to give you just real briefly something here that I want to talk to you about. Then I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about, about salvation experience and what it really means in our lives. But look in Romans chapter 3. And look at verse 23. Here is a simple, 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 nutshell, basic, everybody can understand presentation of the gospel of God Almighty. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says this, For all sin and come short of the glory of God. All have sin and come short of the glory of God. Now I didn't say everybody's sinning and still short of the glory of God. They all have. Everybody has. When I was born into this world, I was born with a sin nature. That sin nature felt it easy to sin. It was easy 
to lie. It was easy to cheat. It was easy to do wrong. It was easy to try to satisfy my flesh and do only what the world said was the thing to do. I had a sin nature. When I got around Christians, I was uneasy. I didn't I like it. In the church I grew up in, you know, we were a shouting church. And I thank God for that. I think we need to do a whole lot more shouting. Somebody say amen. But when they would start shouting, I would always get nervous. Because I would sit on the back bench. I didn't want to be up the front where the anointing was. I wanted to be on the back bench. And I would always sit on the back bench. And when they started shouting, Lord, God forbid if somebody started running the aisles. How many knows you can run the aisles? Somebody say amen. God forbid somebody run. Oh, Lord. I said, don't let them run this way. Oh, my. I'd grab hold of the back of that pew and I'd be like this. And I guess my finger marks are still on the inside. I don't know. But I'd be gripping that thing. Oh, God. And I would think, oh, don't let sister so-and-so don't start shouting. Please don't let her do it. Because she does, she's going to stir up this whole entire church. And they're all going to be at this. And yeah, that kind of, and it, it would be uneasy for me. Oh, God, just let me live another day. Just one more day. I'm going to serve you, God. Just not today. God, I got things to do. I got people to see. I, I got dreams in my life, Lord. I don't want to settle down into the salvation rut that I see all these people around here. I was thinking that I see all these people around here with miserable lives. I, I want to be happy. I'm going to enjoy my life. I got things to do. That was my thinking in life. Why did I think that way? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I was short of the glory of God, all right. I was way short of the glory of God. And I was a sinner. And my heart was wicked. And my spirit was evil before God. The reality was I was in rebellion to God. And I was God's enemy. Sinners are the enemies of God. But he loves them. And doesn't want them to be his enemy. He wants to be the very best friend. Of every sinner in this world. Every single one. And so the basic thing is this. is Man's got a problem. When he's born into this earth, he's got a problem. Because he's a sinner and he's got a sin nature. So you say, how do you get that person out of this sin? And the, the, the thing about it is this. Is that sin nature that he's got, if he stays in it, 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 it's going to kill him spiritually, as he is spiritually dead. But it will also be the second death that he'll have, and eternally separating from God. For the Bible says, look real close, you're there, a couple pages over, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. So the payoff of a life of sin is death. This is not that God's going to come down and shoot you and blow your brains out. This is not that you died in a horrible car accident. Well, I guess they got paid for their sin. That's not what it's talking about. Because when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden... And the wages of their sin was death as well. They didn't die that same day. Adam died at 930 years. But that same day, he didn't die. But they did die spiritually before God. Remember, there's three kinds of deaths in Scripture. There's a physical death. That's when your spirit man leaves your physical body. That's physical death. But there's also a spiritual death. And 2 Timothy, or 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, tells us that we are separated from God in our trespasses and sins. We are dead in our sins before God. If we are a sinner where God's concerned, you're dead. You're dead. Where God is concerned, if we are a sinner. But you know, there's time while we're still alive to be resurrected from that spiritual death, just like Jesus was resurrected from the grave. There's time for us to be resurrected spiritually from that physical death right now, or spiritual death. It's time to say yes to Jesus now, but up until the time we die. But when we die after that, we face a judgment. And then if we go into the judgment in spiritual death, if we go into the judgment separated from God without the blood of Jesus upon our heart and our life, if we go into the judgment that way, then we go into eternal separation with God. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 20, it talks about it well, chapter 21, that is the second death. The three kinds of death that are mentioned in the Scripture. And so the wages of sin is not this physical death. It's not that. It's spiritual death. When you sin, you're separated from God. My wife and I have a, a wonderful love life. We, we love each other and, and, and we have since I laid eyes on her. It took her a little more eyes to go on before she loved me. But anyway, I've loved her since I laid eyes on her. And uh, uh, we have a spiritual connection. Spiritual connection. We are connected that way. I feel for her. She feels for me. We together bear one another's burdens, enjoy one another's successes and victories. We are teammates. 
we work together in, in life, we love each other. We love each other. I love a lot of people. In fact, I love everybody I know. But I love a lot of people. But not like her. There's a special connection there. When you are in sin, you do not have that connection with God the Father. God, to you, as a sinner, could be this being somewhere, this mean, terrible God up in the heaven that you can't wait to cast people into hell and just can't wait to do bad things and send hurricanes and floods and wars and destroy. And that's just God doing this and God doing that. Maybe your attitude as a sinner, you, you, why, why? You're separated from God. You don't know him. You don't know him. There's a lot of things, or a few things, let me say it that way. There's a few things I know from God from the scripture, okay? And it tells me about it. Over 20,000 statements in this book tell me about God and his nature. But there's some other things I know just because I live around him. Sometimes people would say, well, what about this or that? And I'd say, well, you know, I don't really have a verse of scripture like that. But it don't sound like that's God to me. It just don't sound like that's God I know. But I don't know everything about the Bible. I'm still studying. I'm still trying. But I don't know everything about the Bible. But I know some things about God that just don't sound like him. That just does not sound like something God would do. Sometimes people lose someone in life and they'll say something. Why did God take my child? Or why did God? And I'm thinking, oh, that don't sound like God to me. I don't, God didn't take your child. didn't do that. all these kind of things that people say. That don't sound like the, uh, the Father God that I know and love and serve. I've been walking with now all these 40 years. That don't sound like him. Not at all. That doesn't sound like him at all. And so the wages of sin is a separation from God. Okay? Now, how do I get back to God? While I'm separated from God, following the devil, I'm on the way to where the devil wants me to go. He's headed to hell. If I'm following him, of course, I'm going the same place he's going. If, if after church today, I say, hey, guys, come on, follow me. And uh, we're going to go up to eat at the Cracker Barrel in Simpsonville. And, and so, you, you know, you say, okay, we'll follow you. And somewhere along the way, I turn off from Simpsonville, and I start heading toward Woodruff. And you've never been there before. And you just keep following me. You know where you're going? You're going to Woodruff. And in this life, when you follow the devil, you're going where he's going. And you might not even know all about it. Why? Because he's blinded the minds of the people of this world, lest they should receive the gospel and be converted, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. And, and, and so then, we, we have to have a remedy. There's got to be an answer. What is it that can get me out of this plan of the devil that he's got me headed for hell for and wants to destroy my life and make me have the sorrow and pain and everything that this life can bring against me, wants to have destruction? I mean, what, what, what's the answer? You're right there. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. At the same time you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Now then, you can understand this. Remember, spiritual death in our sins. The wages of our sin is spiritual death. Christ took that spiritual death for me. He took it for me on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary some 2,000 plus years ago. And so the death that I experienced as a sinner, I no longer needed to experience that because Jesus had already experienced it for me. If we finally made it on that little drive I talked about a few minutes ago to Cracker Barrel, and we got there... And you know what? And I said, hey, meal's on me. And I paid for your meal. At the end, as you were walking out of the Cracker Barrel, they stopped you and said, hey, 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 you, you need to pay for your meal. And then you're going to say, oh, Leon said he took it. He took care of it. Leon did it. And they're going to say, no, oh, no, 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 we want you to pay. You go, oh, Leon took care of that. I don't have to pay for that. You get Leon. He said he's going to pay for it. Get that old liar, Leon. No, Leon said he's going to pay for it. And, and I believe he did He'll pay for it. I'm not paying for it. And you would argue with them till the cows come home. Because somebody else paid the price of something that somebody else was requiring you. The same is true in the era of salvation. Jesus has paid the price. Only problem is, some people still hadn't showed up at the Cracker Barrel. Meals up there on the table. It's all paid for. You didn't show up to get it, though. 
That's the problem. Jesus has made a way. Notice what it said. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while I was still a sinner, God died for me. That proves that me and you and not a one of us deserve salvation. I was an enemy of God. Hey, man, when I got saved, I, I wasn't, you know, I'm, I was in church on Sunday mornings because my dad made me go or told me to go just instilled it in me. And years later, I just, it was always there. But I wasn't saved. I was in church every Sunday morning, but I wasn't saved. But on that night before, Saturday night, on that night before Friday night, sometimes on Wednesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, and sometimes on Thursday, sometimes other days as well, I'd be out in the nightclubs where people were running around on their husband and wife and people drinking and carousing and doing all kinds of stuff, playing music in nightclubs. I was the enemy of God. Well, God was trying to get people out of the nightclubs. I was advertising for people to come on in. I mean, if people didn't come into the nightclubs and drink and all that stuff, then they didn't pay us, uh, you know, the money that we wanted to get. And so I was the enemy of God. There's other things in my life I was the enemy of God with too. All kind of stuff. God talked about having the mind of Christ, and I wanted the mind of the world. I was the enemy of God. If you're not serving God, you're not on his side. You're on the outside looking in. You're the enemy of God, just like me. But we don't have to be. We don't have to be. Because the Bible says, while I was that way, while I was a sinner, God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let, let me show you something. Let, let me get you there. I don't know if you've ever seen this or not, but, but look at Matthew chapter 27. We're going to take an excursion. Matthew chapter 27. Remember, look at Matthew 27. And look at verse 46. How about Matthew? Jesus said something on the cross. What I think probably, if you've ever been to church in your life or whatever, you probably know a little bit about what I'm about to say, but maybe hadn't made the connection. When Jesus came... How, how many knows that Jesus did die on the cross? Everybody say amen. amen. How many believes he did die on the cross for you and me? Everybody say amen. amen. But, but how much do we really know about that death? Most of us think that when he died on the cross, he died on the cross physically, and he did. And his physical death is what paid our price for our sin. But remember... Romans 6.23 that we just read, for the wages of sin is death, not, not physical death. The payment of sin is spiritual death. I was separated from God spiritually. Somebody needed to bear my spiritual separation from God. Somebody, that's what needed to get born. Somebody needed to bear that. And on the cross, the Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 46, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out on the cross with a loud voice. Here's what he said. Elah, Elah, lama sabachthani. Elah, Elah, lama sabachthani. That, Aramaic, that is to say, my God, my God. What does he say? Why have you forsaken me? When Jesus was on the cross, he was bearing your sin and my sin. Not his own. He had no sin, as the scripture tells us, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. He was bearing your sin and my sin. Well, what happened when we were sinners? We were separated from God. What happened to Jesus? When he bore my sin and yours, he was separated from God. And for the first time in all eternity... And certainly the first time in all of Jesus' earthly life, on the cross, he says for the first time in all of human history, God, where are you? Because that presence, that love, that pleasure that I felt from the Father God is gone. Separated from God, if you will. Kicked out of the family. Oh my. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53. Look what the passage says that you probably read also. Isaiah and Jeremiah. Isaiah chapter 53. And you can see. You can see what it was. Somebody said, well, I, I thought Jesus offered his body on the cross. He did. He did. But remember, he's spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. In Isaiah 53, verse 1, Who hath believed our report, Isaiah said? For, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? 
going down, verse, verse 3, he is despised, rejected of men, man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. That's half talking about what's going on on the cross. That's the cross. Verse 4, surely, surely, he bore our griefs, carried our sorrows, we did esteem him when we saw him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. It happened on the cross. Smitten of God, afflicted on the cross. Not for him, but for you and for me. Scripture tells us, verse 5, He was wounded for our transgressions. My sins, yours. When we transgress, the Bible says sin is the transgression of the law. When we transgress God's law, those transgressions that I committed, He got the wounds for them. Jesus is the one that was wounded. He was bruised for our iniquities, our terrible sins. He was bruised. The chastisement of our peace. The whipping that I should have got. Chastisement. The whipping you should have got. Jesus got it for you on the cross. It says, our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. Precious stripes that were laid on his back procured our healing spiritually, in our soul, in our mind, and yes, in our physical body. Amen. He paid the price for our complete salvation for us. If, if you go on down, verse 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. We've every one turned to his own way. And the Lord laid on him, on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. On the cross, whether you ever take advantage of it or not, on the cross, Jesus has already bore every one of our sins. He did it on the cross. For all of the world, for those people that don't even darken the doors of a church today, for everyone, I don't know what they're doing, if they're getting over last night's hangover, I don't know what's going on, still looking for another fix this morning, I don't know, but even them, God's already bore their sins on the cross. They just got to know it. We got to compel them, we got to talk to them, we got to witness to them. But everyone's sins has been paid for on the cross. What a horrible price Jesus has paid. For that. And I want you to see it as more. Because listen. Every one of the disciples. Except for the apostle John. All died a martyr's death. Every one of them physically. Physically. In their physical body. Gave their life for the gospel. And for those they were preaching the gospel to. More happened on the cross. Than just the physical body. Of Jesus Christ dying. And paying for our sins. Yes. That happened. But so much more than that happened. Amen. Keep reading. Keep reading. We can go on down. I don't take all the time. Look at verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. How did it please God to bruise Jesus? By knowing that me and you would get to go to heaven and get to come into the kingdom of God. And if it took the death of his son, as much as that hurt... As much pain as that was in the Father God's heart. If it took that, you were worth it. Amen. Every one of us was worth it. If that's what it took. And it did. Look as it goes down, verse 10. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. And he hath put on him, or put him to grief, Jesus. When you shall make his soul an offering. Jesus' soul was made an offering unto God. The spiritual part of who Jesus was, was the offering. He'd made Him to be sin. Not just to bear sin, as He did. Not just an offering of sin, as He was. But He made Him to be sin. He became sin on the cross. And when He did, God said, I'm separated from Him. And somebody said, well, I think God might let me in anyway. You think... You think that he forsook his own son on the cross and go make an exception for you or me? It ain't happening. It ain't happening. If he forsook Jesus on the cross and, and we're living in sin, a sinful lifestyle, those kind of no, you need to think God's gonna make an exception in your case. If he was gonna make an exception, it would have been right there on the cross. And he didn't. Look what it says. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, 
He shall his seed, or, or, or he, he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul. You see what's taking place in Isaiah 53? That, that great chapter of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, chapter 53, one of the greatest passages in all of the book of Isaiah, maybe of all of the Bible, that we can read about the price that was paid for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, his body was offered on the cross, but so much more than his body was offered on the cross, the very soul of who he was. The extent of our sin required the cleansing all the way into the depths and the heart and the soul of spirit of man. And in this case, the Lord Jesus paid that price for us, even spiritually. What if? What if? In, in my relationship with my wife, I said, well, I'll lay down my life for you. Uh, you know, I'd like, like to think that I would, or maybe she would for me. I'd like to think so. But what if laying down my life it was not just a physical thing, what was a spiritual thing? I'll literally lose my relationship with you. I'll literally lose that love that I feel that you love me. I'll let it go. And I'll lose that. And I'll be as a lost soul in this universe. Jesus did that for you and me on the cross. He paid that price for us on the cross of Calvary. My God, how can we not say yes to Jesus? Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's continue the story. Back to the book of Romans. Romans 5.8, God committed love toward us in that while I was a sinner, Christ died for me on the cross. It was a death all right, but it was a death in so many ways. A death in that relationship between him and God the Father, and it was literally forsaken I mean, I've heard it said, I, mean, I don't know, there's a whole lot of folks probably know a whole lot more about it than I, but I've heard it said that then, you know, it turned that dark for three days, and not three days, but for three hours on the cross, and it was God looking away from his son. Complete rejection. What else could there be but darkness that surrounded in and literally consumed the Lord Jesus Christ with my sin, your sin, my brokenness, your sorrow, my death in spirit. He took on the cross so that I don't have to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Look at Romans 6, 23. Here's the very, very good news. In Romans 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but, everybody say but. but. One more time, but louder, say but. But the gift of God. Whew, I'm, I'm about ready for this. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This same Lord that died on the cross for me and died on the cross for you. This same Lord that suffered the eternal or or the, the, the separation between Him and the Father God on the cross. This same Lord now has made a way for me through Him. I can have eternal life. And I don't ever have to die spiritually. I never have to die spiritually. Not at all. I can continue the spiritual life that God has given me and I can live through it all eternity. Loving God, being in His throne room, walking around in glory, Coming back, ruling, reigning, whatever God wants to do, all I know is going to be great, but I know the main thing is I'm going to always be with God. How about you? Amen? Amen. That's, that's, that's what's been made available to us. I don't have to. I told about that experience that I had when I was born again on, in October of 75 and, and, and that kind of thing, and, and the Lord came into my, our room and our home and our bedroom and uh, that Sunday morning. And his presence was there, and I came to the Lord, and I asked the Lord to forgive me of all of my sins. Told him I was a fool for not serving him, and I was wicked and undone, and I didn't have anything to offer him. I didn't have anything to give him. There was nothing I could do. All I knew was that he was there, and I knew I needed to say yes to him and ask him to forgive me of my sins. And immediately I turned to my wife, and I said to her, she was in the bed, I was on the side of the bed, and I got her out of the bed, and we both knelt together beside of her bed, in our bed clothes, just right there outside of the bed, on our knees, and, and she prayed, and received Jesus into her heart. And something happened that Sunday morning, and when that happened, my life that I thought, I thought, literally deceived, I thought was so important, didn't really mean anything to me after that. After I prayed that prayer, something happened on the inside of me. 
No, I had always wanted to be two things in life, a musician and, and play music all my life. I wanted to do that. I've, I've been doing that since I was 10 years old. That's what I wanted, what I wanted, wanted. But at, at, and I thought when I got saved, I'd had to lose all that. I didn't want to do that. I'd always wanted to be an accountant, and, and I always wanted to be in business. And I thought when I got saved, I'd have to get rid of all that too. And those were my two ambitions in life, and I'm doing whatever it took to get them. That's what I wanted to do. But, but when I got saved, what I found was there was a happiness and joy that came into my life and a presence of God that so surrounded me during that time that none of those things really mattered to me anymore. That it didn't matter. I didn't care as long as I was with God. That's okay. I knew God would take care of me and he'd make a way for me. And he had wonderful plans and purposes for my life. Didn't know all about what they were at that time. But whatever they were, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I'm in God's presence. I'm in his glory. And we bask in his glory. The presence of God was on us for days and days after that. It was a wonderful experience that, w- that we had. And we began to mature and that kind of thing in the Lord. And while well, you know, you hold that baby like that. There's a little time, then that baby's going to get up and start walking, and you won't be holding it. But it's still, still connecting everything. But it's not quite the same as that little infant kind of thing. And same thing in the new birth. When you first get saved, there's that glory all around you, and that presence everywhere, and my eyes all there. And, you know, you just don't sort of live under that red-hot, heated glory all day long. It'd probably burn you up. But you don't heat all the time, and you sort of walk out and get to doing things in life. But God's still with you, and you're maturing in the faith, and you're taking on your responsibilities in the kingdom of God. All these wonderful things are happening for you. And all of that has happened because you received a gift from God. None of that was something that you earned. None of that was something you purchased or that you bought yourself. It was something that happened to you. And if you're like me, you'll, find, you'll think this. The whole time that I was saying I don't need to get saved because I don't want to lose my happiness or joy. I don't want to get saved because I don't want to be like a bunch of deadbeat Christians. I was wrong. But that's what I was thinking. I don't want to get saved because I don't want to lose my life. I got things to do in my life. I didn't want to go to hell. Don't get me wrong, God. When I said I don't want to get saved now, I want to get saved one day. But put it way out there. I mean, Lord, in my 60s, my 70s, my 80s, my 90s, my 100s, put it way out there. And Lord, save me right before I die. The closer you can get my salvation my death, the better off I'll be. Because I can live my life any way I want to up until then. Don't leave me and don't forget about me, God. Don't forget about me. Don't do that. Don't forget about me. But between now and then, I got big plans. That's what I was thinking. But when I got saved and Jesus came into my life, that thinking changed. My thinking was, Leon, you a fool, boy. You are a fool. You are living crazy. Why in the world did you not accept Jesus Christ sooner because the glory that is now revealed in our hearts and lives once we receive Christ Jesus can't be compared to anything and everything you walked away from. Now shoot with you straight. There'll be things in your life you've got to walk away from. Does walking away from save you? No, it don't. It doesn't save you. But you've got to be willing to give your whole self to God. 100% of all you are to God. Everything you are, all you have, all you'll ever be, your dreams, your vision, everything, you put it into God's hands. Complete 100% commitment to God. And you do that, you say yes to God, you're going to see the eternal life that Jesus talked about. Look with me, Romans chapter 10. Fifth thing, last thing. Fifth thing, last thing. Remember what we've talked about. We saw Romans 3.23 that man's got a big problem because he's sinned. Everybody. Don't believe the lie of some people in the world who say, well, people, not everybody's born in sin. We're all born in sin. I was, you was, we all was. You mean my grandma that was so righteous? Oh, yeah, your grandma. Everybody, all of us are. Every one of us. Everybody but Jesus. And Jesus' blood came from the Father. But every one of us, we've all been born in sin. In Romans 6, 23, we also found out that the wages, the payment of that sin was death. Spiritual separation from God. We also saw in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that while we were yet in our sins, that Christ came and died for me. The death that was required of me because of my sins, Christ said, I'll die for it. You know, I'm going to live worlds without end, thanking Jesus for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Paul even put it this way. He said, you know what? He who gave his own son for you, if he gave his own son for you, shall he also give you freely all things? And so there's a world of other stuff that comes after that. world of stuff. And if you get that reality that God gave his own son for you, if you get that in your heart, it's easy to get healed. It's real easy to be prosperous. 
It's real easy to get all these blessings in life that people sometimes run and chase after. It's real easy. Not a hard thing. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things get added to you. You put God first in your life. You trust him first. Well, we saw that Christ died for us. And then when you saw that there is a gift of God that is eternal life. How do I receive the gift of God? It sounds pretty good up to this point because some of it sounds bad. I don't want to stop there. But if I finish the story, it sounds pretty good. So, so how do I get this gift of God? In Romans chapter 10, notice what the Bible says in verse 9. Romans 10 verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. This is not just making a shallow confession. It's not saying, oh, well, sure, I'm going to believe that creed of conduct. I believe in the Apostles' Creed or the Creed of the Church or the Creed of this or the Creed of that. Some creeds are good, some not so good, but they're okay, but they don't save you. Notice, if you confess with your mouth the Lord, L-O-R-D, Jesus. Jesus is Lord is what the sign says since October the, the 12th of 1982 when we founded the church. That sign that we stayed up all night to make on the wall there. Jesus is Lord, L-O-R-D. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord or the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? That not, you're not just saying that Jesus is God's son, although it talks about that here. You're not just saying that Jesus is God's son. He is, and that's wonderful that you believe it. That you're on the right track. But when you make him Lord, then you say, all right, Jesus, here I am. What I want to do or don't want to do no more is going to guide my decisions. You are my Lord. Where I want to go or where I don't want to go, no more is going to be my decision-making process. Jesus, you are my Lord. When you say that Jesus is Lord, you bow your knee unto the Father God, through the Lord Jesus Christ. You bow your knee unto him and say, Lord Jesus, I'm yours. Whatever you want me to do. If you want me to go get a drink of water, I'll go get a drink of water. If you want me to run down the road and you know, bring something back here to the Lord's Last Supper, I'll go do it. If, if you want me to get the saddle of the donkey, I'll, whatever you want me to do, uh, you're my Lord. Amen. It's not, not my job is to tell me anymore what to do. I'm no longer the king of my life. Jesus, you are. That's what it means to say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Don't hang on to your own life. Give it to him. Trust him with it. Notice that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's not only that, though. It's not only just saying something. Have ever, people ever heard, talk is cheap? Yeah, some people get them to say anything. <laughs> so you're not, not just, just saying something. Sheila and I have gotten into a few little discussions in our life. Some people got arguments. But anyway, we've gotten a few discussions in our life during that time. And she'll say, uh, I said, what do you want to do? She said, well, just say sorry. I said, I'm sorry. You didn't mean it, did you? No, but just the way you said say it, so I just said it. So, you know, it's not just saying something like that. But it is saying it from a confession of faith that you believe in your heart. I'm not saying it through mental sin. I'm not figuring it out through logic and reason. But from the depth of my heart, okay, God, this is it. You might say it like this. I give up. I give up. Like the song we sing. I surrender all. I surrender all, all to thee. That song? I, I give up. I give up. I'm done with my life. Yes, Jesus, I'm done with it. I'm done with my life. I give up. I quit. I'm yours. I'm yours. And, and so we believe in our heart God has raised him from the dead, a living Christ, not a dead one. You shall be saved. So salvation is as simple as this. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. That's simple enough right there. On the cross, there was a man that only said this. Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. It can be that simple. And we're all human. Sometimes we want to say things like this. Lord, I'm so sorry for the way I've lived. That's all right. You ought to be sorry if you've been living like the devil. Somebody say amen. 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 I'm sorry for the way I've lived and the things I've done. You don't have to name every little thing in the world. We ain't got all day. You don't have to name every little thing you and me done in life. 
We don't have to name it. But if you feel in your heart and your life, God, I'm just so sorry. I played the fool. I've acted like a fool. I've done my family wrong, my children. I've done everybody wrong, done you wrong. You, you know, I understand we're human. Sometimes I want to say, but all is necessary is for you to believe Jesus, you're the one. You're God's son. And you died for me, and I'm making you Lord of my life. And what that means is, from this day forward, I live my life based on what you tell me to do and how you tell me to live it. That's it. That's it. And you walk away from that altar in your heart or that altar of prayer, wherever it might be, you walk away from that decision. This day forward, I'll live my life for you, Lord Jesus. I won't give up. I won't quit. I will not go back. I'm all in to Jesus from this day forward. You make that sit Now, what, what, hey, explain it, verse 10. For with the heart... Man believes unto righteousness. It's a heart thing. If your heart ain't in it, it don't matter what your mouth says. Okay? If your heart's in it, then you just need to go ahead and confess it with your mouth. Okay? But with the heart, that's what you're doing. You're believing unto righteousness. How are you becoming righteous? You're believing into it. It's not what you did or what you didn't do. It's not what, you, what, what you're saying. Now, God, I did all this, man. Lord, I've done these things for you. You just need to save me. No, it's not based on anything you did for him. Done some good things for him? Good, that's fine. Keep doing good things. Good, we all appreciate it. Great, keep on doing good things. But it ain't the good things that saves you. It's a believing on him. We believe in our heart unto or into righteousness. And with our mouth, confession is made in the salvation. I remember the first time I was saved on a Sunday morning and Monday the day after I went back to work. And when I went back to work, I, I was thinking, oh, I need to tell some people I got saved. Now, I'd already told them I got saved at church. I'm sort of embarrassed the way I did it, but I told them at church I got saved. And we walked in, we was on the back, and Sheila and I, and we was, had moved up since we got married. On the, when, I, when I was a teenager, I sat on the back pew. We got married, we moved up three pews. So we're still sitting in the back. We didn't want to be that close to the anointing. But anyway, so we sat, right, sat there, and back seat. And what we did, when we stood up, and I said, you know, we received Jesus. We both got saved last night. And we determined to go to hell. I'm mean, go to heaven. And so we determined to go to heaven. And this is what I said. We said, determine we're going to go to heaven no matter if none of the rest of y'all do. <laughs> that was sort of crazy. But that's what came out. And about that time, we left that back pew and we went to the front and went to the altar. And the pastor was there and he laid hands on us and thanked God for us. And we went back and we went back there. And from there, we went to this pew right here. And we sat there the whole time in the church. I wanted to be up front. I wanted to be hearing what was being said. I want to be part of it. I want to be into it. And that's where we was. The Lord did a work in our lives. He changed us from fear and a scared and wanting to be away from things to wanting to be right in the mix. Right in the mix. Well, that was great. They were by the church. No, most everybody there was Christians. I think most of them were. Most everybody there was Christians. Then the next day, though, Monday, I went and go to work. And when I did, on the job, I was driving a forklift. And on the job where I worked at, I went in. I said, I'm going to have to tell these people I got saved. Oh, God, what am I going to do? This bunch of heathens I work with. And I was one of them until last week. And we cussed each other out every day. We loved each other, but we just cussed each other out. You know what I'm talking about if you work at some of the plants facilities. And so the first guy was one of the best friends I had there. So the first guy I told that morning, he was a big machine operator. He was a top dollar guy uh, in the whole plant. He was a top dollar. God bless me. I didn't know him. I was a third, but he was a top dollar in the whole plant. And so I told him, his name was Pete. I said, Pete, I got something I want to tell you. He said, yeah, you look a little weird. <laughs> and uh, Pete, I said, what is it? I said, Pete, yesterday... I got saved. I gave my heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He went, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And walked away and bad-mouthed me and, all, and the rest of the day over the intercom and everything else. But finally, he settled down and he seen that I wasn't going to be a goody-two-shoes and I wasn't no better than him and still loved him and we still go on together, you know, maybe crack a few jokes, didn't have all the cuss words in them. But anyway, all that kind of stuff. And, and he sort of came around. He sort of came around. But when I said with my mouth, Pete, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I'm saved now. All of a sudden, this guy that was sort of like this, and that plant, scared to be there, went like this. I sort of got a little stronger. 
my faith began to be red, red hot on the inside of me. I was more alive. I said, I'm going to tell some more people about this. I, I told the, the production manager about it. Went into his office and told the personnel manager about it. He said, Leon, you did? You got saved? He said, yeah. He said, well, let me tell you something. My son's going something, through something. Let me and you pray for it. And he said, lead us, Leon. I only been saved a day or so, but bless God, I prayed with everything on the inside of me. Screamed, hollered, shouted, all kind of stuff. He said, thank you, Leon. Thank you. You can go back to work now. An hour later. You know what? God is good. But it's your decision. It's your choice. Everybody in the building, stand with me just now. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to be dismissed in a few minutes, but not right now. Right now, I'm going to ask you to please bow your head and close your eyes. Father God, I thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord. I thank you for every person that has entered this building today. I recognize that, Lord God, they came here today because they honor, they respect you. They came here today to bring themselves to worship. All of us, Lord, in this house today may be at various places in our life. I pray that there isn't one person here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. But if there is, Lord God, I also pray that they don't leave this house the same way. I pray, God, you make every one of us mindful of our sin and mindful of your righteousness that you bring into our life in exchange for our sin. And I ask you, Lord God, for anyone in this house that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that they would make you their Lord today, that they would receive you into their heart and life today. And Lord God, for anyone in this house today that has known you but has walked away from you, maybe it's been years since they've been in a church, Maybe it's been years, Lord God, since they've had a talk with you. And Father God, whatever we might call it doesn't really matter. But if right now we aren't in that right relationship with you today, I pray, Lord God, that you'd bring every person to the foot of the cross into a saving relationship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father God, we're going to do it the way that you said to do it. In the name of Jesus Christ. While we're all here, you can lift your head now. And I ask you to repeat this with me. Everybody in the house, I want you to repeat it with me. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, let this be your prayer. If you've walked away from him and you want to come back, let this be your prayer. If you want to make a commitment and a decision of your life for the Lord Jesus Christ, let this be your prayer right now in this house. This is it. This is how it works. This is your chance. This is your time. You've received a presentation of the gospel today. I'm sure those others could do it much better than I. But I know this, it's been simple enough and plain enough and clear enough where every one of us can understand. Clear enough for you and I to make a decision. Clear enough for on the day of judgment when we stand before God, God can say, you had the gospel preached unto you. What do you do with it? Right now, we're going to say yes to the gospel. Everybody say, I am going to say yes. Lift your hands before the Lord. Come on, everybody in the whole house. Visiting with us tonight, doesn't matter. Come on, come on, everybody, everybody. Come on, get those hands up, 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 up. Everybody, all over. Pray this prayer with me. Now, you can bow your head and close your eyes. Whatever you feel comfortable in doing, that's fine. Pray this prayer with me. Online, if you're viewing right now, pray this prayer with me. Everybody say, Dear Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did for me. You have delivered me from a devil's hell. You have set me free from all of his power and all of his control. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I receive that redemption. I receive your sacrifice, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I receive you as Lord of my life. I make you the Lord of my life. I will serve you and follow you all the days of my life. Now, Lord Jesus, live your life in me from this day forward. I am yours, and according to your word and the Spirit of God that is on my heart, right now I know that I am saved. I am forgiven, and I am free from all of my sins. I'm on my way to heaven, and I have you to thank for it, Almighty God, and I give you praise. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, shout it out. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is a wonderful Lord. Salvation is just that simple in this house.
Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.